All right, welcome back to the Woke Not Broke podcast. Coupled conversations with your host, Jermaine Hughes, and co-host, Dominique Bonilla. <laughs> what are you wiping off my face? <laughs> um, before we get started, let me turn off these alarms. Um... Because they keep interrupting us. Can you turn off the cat while you're at it? I know. Because <laughs> he keeps interrupting. Um, all right, we're going to turn off 7.30, 8 o'clock, 8.31. Um, I also need to do, uh, what is that, airplane mode? So nobody mm. calls. Anyhow, uh, last week we began our celebration. Celebration of the year anniversary of... Our biggest, <laughs> biggest argument to date and really prompted us to start having these conversations so other people can hear the, the amount not only of work that has been done, but the number of things that we've come across in unraveling the number of things that we were calling normal mm-hmm. in our relationship. Um, so with that being said, uh, I know that we want to talk about a few things, um, but I think what was important to bring you guys back to was that we were in a place where we were understanding that we were having this argument and this argument wasn't simply based in what was happening at the moment, but what was happening inside given everything that was happening that weekend and that week prior to this argument. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I think one of the things that was highlighted when we were discussing this, not only amongst ourselves, but with our therapist is Mm -hmm. self-awareness. You know, it's one thing to be aware that you are upset that somebody did something five minutes ago. But are you also aware of how previous events also made you upset or are in adding to your upsetness, if you will, um, because those things are still on your mind and in your heart? Um, if we aren't careful, right, we can find ourselves exploding, being really upset at someone or something when really... It's a combination of things rather than that just one thing that is making us upset. Any, uh, any thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that um, was kind of well summarized. Our last um, podcast um, episode where we really had to look at what were kind of the events that were taking place around these arguments and um, I will add also, for me, a big part of it was um, identifying feelings. Like, what exactly am I feeling besides um, the surface emotion? Like, what's, um, what's being shown, which is anger, and what I, you know, had a lot of experience showing. And then also what um, I, is learned behavior, too. You know, that's what was uh, my upbringing was a lot of outbursts, um, loud volume, loud voices, and definitely um, sharing when you are upset 
angry, frustrated, mad. Those are all emotions like <laughs> Jermaine had to like ask me. I'm like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, mad. And he's like, no. Say, I'm like, I'm frustrated. And then he's like, no, it's something else. I'm annoyed. I'm irritated. You know, and then I like... <laughs> I came up with like really creative ways of saying that I was angry. And he's like, no, that's not it. And I'm like, I thought I did a good job. <laughs> so it's really being, for me, the work was like, what, what is underneath all of that? And, and that, that was super hard um, because you have to be in touch with those feelings and you have to feel them, allow yourself to feel them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, one thing that you were just getting at was, the understanding that sadness wasn't something that was easy to acknowledge or feel or express, right? right? That anger was more comfortable, more readily accessible than sadness was. And so again, we were talking about the fact that her mom was going through some issues at the hospital. And I'm like, isn't this woman sad? Like, like, at all. And again, you know, she's having to answer phone calls. People are calling her. Sister's calling. Dad's calling. Mom's calling. Putting her on the phone with the doctor and all this stuff. And she's like a, being a doctor. She's being, she's like being at work. But then I'm like, okay, when you hang up the phone, like you're going to cry, right? Like, like a, a little bit, right? Or not even necessarily have to cry, but just emote in a way that shows that you are sad about what's happening. But that was not happening. And I remember just being like, having to ask her like, hey, like, aren't you sad about what's going on? And then it hits. And then it's like, wait, you knew you were sad before I asked you that you were sad. And the way that it kind of felt and came off was like, I don't know, actually, because it's not something that you felt comfortable about um, accessing. What do you think about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was um, very difficult and challenging to allow myself to feel sadness. It didn't feel um, productive. It was like Mm. my anger fuels productivity in some way I just make myself busier I can like look at the kitchen and be like ah like it's dirty and then I'm like cleaning all mad mad cleaning Jermaine's you know familiar with my mad cleaning he's like why are you cleaning if it's making you mad and I'm like it's all for a reason and so (laughs) (laughs) scrubbing hard as hell right and then like you know being mad at him because he's like calm Um, (laughs) and confused (laughs) and so yeah I think like in my mind I just was like anger when I'm angry I I like can really zero in on things that other things that are bothering me and then it makes me want to just like deal with everything and that makes me feel productive and it also hurts people and it hurts me (laughs) right it's like wow yeah like everything's clean but like you know, everyone's bloody on the floor at the same time. It's like, because I was like throwing out mean words and like smacking people. And that was, you know, like how some of us grew up. Like, you know, was your mom happy cleaning Sunday morning? No. She was throwing sandals at people. You were getting smacked upside your head. The music's loud. You're upset. Everybody's just not happy. So, you know, having to unlearn all of that, like, 
it's okay to take the time to, you know, be sad and sit with those feelings. And I'm not, you know, I don't cry. Like, that's not something that um, is easy for me to do. And I, I need, like, help with it. It's like I, I literally need my hand held and been like, this is how we're going to cry. And what helps me <laughs> is music, right? What helps me is this, like, powerful um, performances from people. It could be someone speaking. It could be someone singing poetry, you know, something very moving that someone else is doing that's, like, accessing something inside of me. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I'm crying. But... <laughs> It's, you know, it's not me doing it myself, thinking about my own, um, you know, trauma or, you know, circumstances that are going on right now. Like, I, that was really hard for me to do. I learned it in a way when other people were sharing, but not when I was sharing with myself. And so that was um, a lot of work I had to do with sitting with myself and those feelings. And um, a lot of that had to do with my inner child. Like having conversations with my inner child, visualizing, you know, uh, looking at pictures of what I look like as a, as a baby, as a toddler, as a, as a young child, and going like, that's her, that's who I was. Like, and visualizing her, talking to her. And that was really emotional because, you know, from a young age, you just want to be grown and like, be an adult and so you never give much time and attention to little you because you're always trying to just be older you always you didn't want to be a kid you know you're five you just wanted to be seven this need to be 10 and I remember feeling that way I had older siblings I just wanted to be older I just wanted to have the same freedom that they had you know I I wanted just always yeah to just be older and so um yeah, giving myself room to like be that little kid and, and feel feelings. Right, right. And you know, it's really um from from my perspective, right? Being her uh husband, being her man and all that stuff, there's a part of me that was completely baffled, right, and taken aback by this because this is not the girl, the woman that I met, right? The woman that I met was and can be and was oftentimes like girly right and just like doing little girly things and like wanting to cuddle all the time and like wanting to just like be held and I'm like yo like we're at we're in line at the drive-thru like relax right but like she was always so like (laughs) soft and then again when it comes to these arguments it was just like not, you know, off the bat, but slowly but surely it was clear that like, yo, like when she's in an argument, it's like she just turns into this other person, right? This person who is um, a warrior, right? And at that moment, I become an enemy that has to be overcome, that has to be taken down, whatever that may be. And it is completely surprising because... Right. I'm coming from a place of, again, what have I been hearing all my life? Girls are this and women are this and women just need this and women just want this. And, you know, if they just had an opportunity to be with a guy that actually 
gave them the space, <laughs> gave them the room, gave them the this, then they would just be in that space and that they would feel comfortable being vulnerable, right? The V word, right? The almighty V word. And I'm thinking like, I am trying to give this woman all the space that I can, that she can feel like, hey, it's okay to cry. And this woman ain't shedding no tears, right? Mom's all in the hospital, no tears. I'm like, ain't nothing about to make you cry. This don't make you cry. The reality was, is that I was just in utter shock um, that this could be the reality that we were living in, is, which is I'm the male, the man trying to help my woman be more emotional, right? Where all this time you keep hearing throughout your life, you know, guys are the ones that struggle with being emotional. Guys are the ones that struggle with being, uh, with crying at times. And right now I'm in the kitchen <laughs> with Mikel Owen. Right now, listen, we cry way more than Dominique. And <laughs> it is just clear. It is just clear. I don't care if we're watching The Pursuit of Happiness, right? Or it's some crazy thing on the news. Or, you know, something going on in the country, like, there are times where I know that I've been like, dude, like, I have to let this out. And I just need you to, like, to just, like, be here with me. And she'll do that for me. So I'm sitting there, like, totally ready to, like, you know, return the favor. And she's like, but I ain't no bitch. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, your mom's in the hospital. Like, allow yourself to get into that space. And so... Uh, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that. be careful that. what you wish for. Uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, how many be quiets I get now when I'm like, I'm feeling... Right, all right, right. <laughs> good lord. Oh my God, if you don't man up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's all interesting, you know, the stereotypes, the, the typecasting, you know, women are this way men are this way and you know when you don't get that you have to you know rewrite all of that you're like okay none of that applies here and it doesn't mean that you know this person's broken it just means that like they didn't have opportunity maybe to express some of these things and just need a little extra support I think that that became pretty apparent early on in our relationship. The time that Jermaine had spent really building emotional intelligence and like really studying, reading, wanting to learn about himself. And I love to read, but I am so interested in like books, news. I want to know what's going on all the way around the world, like uh, my interest was outwards and his was inwards. And it showed when we met because it's like, I can talk about a lot of different things. We can talk about politics, we can talk about social issues, we can talk about, you know, climate and feminism and like what, you know, I got an opinion on it and I got some facts and it's like, you know, well, let's talk about ourselves. And I'm like, oh, why do I do that? You know, so he was really good at talking about himself and how he's feeling. And I appreciated that. Um, but it was really clear early on. I was like, wow, like I am unable to deliver that, you know, back in return. I can share some, but not a lot. And as a woman, 
it, it did feel a way because I hadn't been with a guy or in a relationship that challenged me in that way. Usually the guys hadn't really been working much on themselves, so I didn't feel lacking in that department. If anything, I felt like I could, you know, I had just enough depth and vulnerability in me that was like, well, you know, I could go deeper than you, but not in this case. And, you know, it definitely um, felt challenging and scary. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, like, I'm not, I don't have a lot of, you know, I'm not super social. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, I didn't have a lot of like community. I was super close to my family and I was like, that's it. And then um, even uh, just like, what was I going to say? The friendships, the things that, like he said, sharing, like being vulnerable and soft and like I could be soft but not vulnerable. It's like I learned how to be just soft enough, just girly enough um, without having to like be too vulnerable. And um, I thought that was going to take me far. (laughs) I was like, I got this figured out. You don't have to, you don't have to do it all. Right, (laughs) right. Just enough. And the reality was, was I was doing that work uh, due to a number of different reasons, right? I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the work that I saw my mom do uh, when I was in high school, um, you know, trying to do some recovery work that she was doing. Um, I don't know how many years she's been sober now, but it's like, you know, too many to count. And, um, but that was the first time where I saw somebody like struggling to, um, or not even struggling, but rather doing work on themselves to like overcome some things that they have been doing in their lives. And, but, and so immediately I felt like in my twenties, I saw this, you know, in my teens. So in my twenties, I was like, whatever she was doing, I need to have at least a piece of that because I know I'm crazy. Like I'm in my mid twenties. I got a whole bunch of thoughts. I got a whole bunch of ideas. I got a whole bunch of struggles. I'm trying to figure it out. I want to go in a hundred different places at one time. I'm trying to stay still. Trying to be saved. I'm trying to do all this. Trying to save the world. It's a whole lot that I got to do on my plate. Clearly, and I don't even have a job. So the reality was, <laughs> the reality was, was that I knew that I needed help. Like I think that that was clear from the jump. So with that being said, I feel like, you know, I was having relationships and they were failing and I was having relationships and they were failing. And I think around 29 is where I got to a place where I said, I'm tired of this. Like, clearly I'm doing something wrong. I'm not doing the right things. I'm not making sense out of this. I'm not understanding how to do relationships. I need to seek assistance about trying to, how to, how to, about trying to figure this out. And so I began to do that. And one of the first things that I did was go into a 12-step program, which and was all about learning to love yourself. And, and, you know, I was asking those questions, you know, what are you, you know, all the 12-step questions, right? Like all the stuff that you, you've done that you need to make amends for and all those things, right? So I'm doing those types of questions and I'm, I'm hearing it, I'm feeling it because I'm going through it, right? And so I'm writing out the stuff. I got me a sponsor, asking all these questions and why don't you value yourself and why is it hard for you to value yourself and what's your issues with compliance and what's your issues with denial and all this stuff. 
and this was what 2013 and 14 and so slowly but surely i'm getting a a grasp of like what's going on with myself internally um you know where all of my things come from you know why do i respond and react to certain things the way that i do um and so upon getting into this relationship i also was like i'm about to mess this up if i don't get any help so that was my perspective was like how do we get help throughout this process because given my track record and given my understanding that i think that i have about relationships this will not last so i need to figure out who can i surround myself with who can i connect with who can i listen to who can we listen to and read about and so on and so forth that will allow us to have a better chance at having a successful relationship and i think that that understanding the humility that i came in this with has allowed me to uh, i'll say allow us to get as far as we've got not so much of because i just knew it was like oh man i know how to do this like man it's a cinch it was like no like we're just going to keep asking questions and we're going to keep talking about this stuff. We're going to be willing to do, you know, I'm going to be willing to meet with therapists. I'm going to be willing to encourage her to come and meet with therapists with me and so forth so that this can make sense. Um, so when all this was coming undone and falling apart the way that it was, there was this huge sense of shame that I knew that I was dealing with because I felt like I was doing a whole lot that wouldn't have us in this situation. I felt like I was having like good answers to the questions, right? Having good responses to things and so forth. So as things began to come undone, I was just like, oh snap, like clearly, even though we're reading and even though I'm reading this stuff and looking up this stuff and listening to this and watching these videos and all this stuff, we still are finding ourselves as in some type of turning point that we both have to shift from. And clearly I haven't been doing the things that I thought that I was doing or so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I think a big thing for me was just feeling ashamed that I wasn't being as strong as I was supposed to be as, um, what is that called? As, um, as loving of myself as I was supposed to be in these different situations, even though, like I said, I had feel like I had done a lot of work around it. And so coming to that realization was really difficult. Um, and having to make the changes that I've had to work on making has been, it's been interesting, but it has been uh, trying as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to kind of piggyback on that, I think one of the things I wanted to bring up was the difference between doing that as a single person in preparation for a relationship and then actually being in a relationship is very different. Like you, you were prepared. I feel like well prepared to a certain degree, but then being in a relationship, you just don't know what dynamic you're going to have with it, with the other person and what are the the challenges that are going to come up. It's like, okay, I, I worked on, you know, conflict to a certain degree, but then this other individual comes and does conflict in this whole other way. And it's like, did you necessarily practice that? You know? And so, um, yeah, one of the things I wanted um, to add to that was um, I felt like, you know, I, to a certain degree, was like, 
ready for a relationship because I'm like, in my relationships, I was so used to giving to others. And in my mind, as it, when I was single, that wasn't conflicting, right? It's like, I have my family, I have my kid, my friend, and it's like, I have been able to maintain these relationships and there haven't been any issues and I give and give and that is what I do. And what else would is one other relationship? You know, come on over. I can give to you too. And, you know, what the issues that that caused, right, initially is, you know, you want someone to give you their time and their energy when you meet someone. That's how you, you can kind of know that they care, right? It's like, I'm going to make time for you. I'm going to do these thoughtful things for you. I'm going to like, you know, prioritize you. And I'm great at prioritizing other people. And so it worked out for the time of us dating. <clears throat> and then, you know, with with all of our conflict, with all of the... One, I did do CODA as well, the Codependence Anonymous, which is the 12-step program Jermaine was referencing. Um, and, you know, a lot. I learned a lot about myself and my relationship with my parents and how I operate in relationships, like in friendships. Um, and... That was very eye-opening and just was something we both wanted to be aware of that we have these tendencies and we don't want those to happen in our relationship. But, you know, here we are in this 12-step program. It's like, oh yeah, this is great. And we're on the call and all this stuff. And nonetheless, like we weren't doing a great job loving ourselves in our relationship. And so uh, one of the things for me, right, was was giving time to myself and, and learning myself, knowing myself. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Like we can be doing something when we're single. You can be doing something that's working to a certain degree in, you know, one season of your life. And then um, it doesn't necessarily apply in the next season stage. Right, which is really important because what you know and what you've seen, um, I'm talking to the audience right now, is, you know, you've seen those things where it's like, you know, you got to get healed before you get into your next relationship. And, you know, are you even doing the work, you know, before you meet that next person? And like she just said, you know, being ready for a relationship is subjective and you can be very much so ready to be in a relationship and still have work to be done. You can still have a whole lot of work to do, in fact, um, even though you feel like you've made space for somebody to be in your life. And the reality is, is that regardless of what relationship you're going to get into, it's going to highlight some things that maybe you didn't notice about yourself or you didn't notice was, a, was still an issue yeah. or would show up. And that's how I felt in this situation. I felt like, you know, I was being uh, loving to myself in a way that worked for me when I was single. Um, and I was also, uh, let's say this, I was also prepared to be paired with a certain person, right? I was ready to be paired with somebody who was also, right, understanding these things about themselves. And I felt like, well, if the person that I meet is this type of person, then we'll get along just great. But what if they are that person? 
only 15% of the time. And then the other 85% so is like, dude, like you're actually this other person too. And like, how do I operate when you are operating in a way that I wasn't prepared for you to be operating? I didn't think that you would be doing these things, but you're still the person that I dated, fell in love with, moved in with, married, you know, proposed to and all that stuff. You're still that person. You're just also... <laughs> You know, you're just also right. Puerto Rican. Like, you're also somebody else, you know? And, like, you are um, not just, you know, yeah. <laughs> what I prayed for. And so, get with that being said, we can look at that as a problem. Or it can be understood with some work and some time, some energy and things, as an opportunity for you to grow in a different way. Right now, you're being challenged to grow in a way that you weren't expecting to. Oh, yeah, you were doing, you know, all of this stuff for this stuff, but you were not paying attention to this area of your life. And this area is going to have to be addressed on a whole different level and in a new way. And you can look at that as an opportunity and not just an issue. Yeah. And I want to say, so kind of segue into the the different paths we had to take at this point because what we were both experiencing were two different things right i was experiencing uh, what what it was determined right um and thank goodness that we had some things in place like we had the coda 12 step program we had therapy in place that i had somewhere to turn to, to kind of ask some of these questions. Um, and my therapist was like pivotal in this moment. Like she was so important because she was like, I was waiting for this. I just, you know, <laughs> and I was like, wow, you too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what, you know, I needed to work on this moment was completely different than what Jermaine needed to work on. We were both identifying ways in which we were operating in our relationship and with ourselves um, that required a very different set of tools for each person. And, um, you know, I will say that is where a lot of fear came in because you think, you know, oh, to make a relationship work, we just got to go couples therapy together and we got to figure this out together because we're together. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And, (laughs) you know, you don't, what I wasn't, you know, prepared for was like you guys need to go on some different journeys and it's not going to be together and you know I was like well what do you mean what if like we like get lost from each other and then we don't find each other at the end and there was all this fear like what if I go on this journey he goes on his journey he's like oh she ain't shit and was never shit and I don't want to be with her and I was like oh my gosh this is not good sound the alarms lockdown Right. Nobody's leaving. Nobody's leaving, going anywhere. (laughs) And so we were doing a lot. We had a lot of communication time um, that we built into our our days, our evenings and was, you know, luckily able to I was able to talk about these, you know, the fears that I was having. But, yeah, it really was about us identifying different resources that would be helpful for us. So. He went on his, you know, search for books, people, communities, and practices that would help him. 
um, be who he needed to be, to love himself, to, um, you know, create boundaries, to, um, you know, let him speak more about that. And, And I needed to go on this journey of like, rediscovering myself. I'm like, I haven't thought about myself since like before I had a kid, which was like 10 years ago at that point. And so it's like me, like I'm fine. I have other people to worry about, you know, but it was like, wait, I have to, I have to like learn who I am. And like, where do I even start? How do people do this stuff? And how do I learn how to feel feelings and like feel sadness and like access those parts of myself that I've like closed off. And so my, my journey was really different. And mm-hmm. so one, some of our things overlapped a little bit, like, uh, for example, one of the, the books and the, they're on Instagram and Facebook. Um, it's the holistic, um, psychologist and that's her handle on Facebook and Instagram, but they have a, a book. And the book is called How to Do the Work. And that book was, and they have a podcast, which is, they have all this cool content. And then they have like a, something you could pay for that's like a community. I didn't necessarily find um, super helpful, but I did find, and Jermaine also found their content really helpful. And so there was some overlap where we could talk about some of the things, you know, topics which was which was nice, but then there were things that you know were completely separate um, that he was reading, and we did try to include each other in some of the the content that we were um, reading and listening to because uh, that was important, and I wasn't expecting that either. I don't know why I felt like we were just like gonna be like you know locked away in two different rooms until we came out of this. Uh, but there was a lot of sharing that happened, which I think was was actually pr- really a beautiful part of of this journey and this ongoing journey, um, and a lot of fear. And I and I know we we did want to talk about fear uh, because as much as it is a good and it was a great thing to do, the fear that um, going on this um, kind of journey evoked was like he found a book in a community um called no more mr nice guy and you know i was just like oh crap like (laughs) what the heck does this mean like he's a nice guy what's wrong with that everyone likes nice guys and you know they're they're just fear you know because of the unknown of change and um you know, as humans, we, we like to be in our comfort zones, even if it's not the healthiest thing for us, you know, and, you know, naturally change evokes fear. And it was really important to name that and, and just acknowledge it and share that, you know, he, I had fears also of myself, like of him and how he would change. And then I had a lot of fear over like, if I wasn't going to be able to change, and like so many questions, like how long is this going to take? And how long is he going to wait for this to take? And, you know, I, I wanted, I was impatient with myself. I found like with most things I approach in life, I want to, I'm competitive. I want to be good at things. 
I usually don't do things unless I'm good at them. And so probably why I haven't, haven't done that. And so it's like, this is hard and it's not going as fast. Like I keep making mistakes. I keep having these outbursts, right? I keep, you know, projecting on Jermaine. And then it's like, oh shoot, I did it again. Oh crap. And it's like back to the drawing board. And, you know, it was constantly checking in with each other. But I do want to say, I think what is important, right, is the journey itself and not the destination. And I was so focused on the destination of just getting there and things being okay. But one of the reasons for us doing this is like really to reflect on the journey, like the past year and just all of the progress that was made and that was something that um, I wasn't focusing on then. It was scary to me. Um, it was like, yeah, all that middle stuff is whatever. We just need to get to the to the end and like get through this. <laughs> but upon reflecting, it was like, wow, like there were different stages. There were stages that took me a lot longer to get through and deal with. And there were some other things that you know, came a little bit quicker that even we were able to talk about and Jermaine was able to acknowledge and notice and go, I've noticed a difference, you know, and those were um, really important milestones because if it were not for all of the slip-ups and, and you know, regressions that were, were in there, you know, it, it wouldn't make it so sweet at the end, if I was just like, oh, it's just so easy. I could just do it this way. Um, but yeah, it, um, I felt like I, I jumped really far and all over the place. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because I, so um, I, I take the mic away. I know some things that we need to, <laughs> to hit on, which was, you said, you know, you were afraid, um, of, uh, of a lot of things. There was a lot of fear there. And I think it's really important to mention that one of the things that you were afraid of was what would it be like to give me that space uh-huh. to yeah. process my own feelings, you know, connect with other people and, and uh, have community, build friendships outside of our relationship and so forth, because that, that freedom felt a lot like you know, you losing control, mm-hmm. right? And one thing that you really wanted and banked on was having some type of control over everything. And if you didn't have that type of control or that sense of control, that that would be the reason why things don't, wouldn't work rather than what would happen, you know, outside of your control. It was like, well, if I don't have control, that's why this is going to fall apart. And so um, speak a little bit to, to the fear that mm. led you to want to control everything. Yeah, so that definitely was a, is a big theme that I um, worked on and continue to work on is control. Um, and a lot of what that stemmed from, of course, is childhood and my experiences in my childhood um, I think it was a combination of many things. I'm a middle child of four children, and I'm the second to youngest, and I'm the youngest girl. And, um, you know, I think it goes without saying that. There wasn't a lot of choice. Um, mm. And I didn't have a lot of control, 
you know, and as far as sibling relationships growing up, um, but also um, with my parents' relationship, which is, you know, the first relationship that you most children see um, growing up. And what I saw in that relationship was um, my mom was very opinionated and strong-willed. And she, um, you know, was very controlling, too. And I kind of, I, I grew up seeing that dynamic play out between her and my dad. Um, my dad kind of acquiescing to her request and, you know, fits and all of that. And it goes, well, that's how things get done, you know. And so there, that's a, a part of control. And then I did also experience um, my parents in their um, season of infidelity and it was my dad um, stepping out of the, their marriage. And that happened in my um, middle school to high school years and beyond. But seeing that during like these years where I'm also interested in forming relationships with, you know, I'm interested, I have crushes, um, but then I'm also seeing my parents' marriage and my dad lying, sneaking around, you know, these these arguments, the tears from my mom, the betrayal, the, you know, breaking of trust and breaking of things, breaking of things <laughs> throwing of things. And, you know, as you know, a result, you know, seeing like my mom's reaction to it was just more control. Right. It's like. I can't trust you, so you can only go so far now, right? Like, that's that's a consequence. And to me, it made sense, you know? It, I'm like, well, yeah, you hurt her. And then, like, you know, now you can't have your own passwords to things. Like, and what something I kind of learned from that is, one, you can't trust people, even your husband, even your dad, because they will make mistakes and hurt you. Simple as that. They're going to hurt you. And so you got to be on top of them. You know, you got to check their phones. You got to just prepare yourself for the worst. And the closer you keep them, the less likely it'll happen. And then if it does happen, you'll probably catch it pretty early on. And then you'll be able to. So I had this like whole thing of like, one, being hard to trust. Men I was dating or with and Jermaine in this case. And then, you know, just really having this thing about control. And it and it ranged from his time and how much time we spent together and his phone and social media um, and who he's giving attention to, you know, Instagram models, different things like that, to like how stuff is put away in the kitchen. It was a range of things. You know, it 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 was the ran the gamut. It was like I can be controlling about a lot of stuff. You guys want to see? Right. And so like, um so yeah, that was something huge and that was a challenge cuz like I could see if I was just controlling with Jermaine. And that's like I just address this. But it was with everything. And as a parent, being controlling is not necessarily a negative thing. You go, "Yeah, you got to tell your kid what to do every minute of the day, you know, and you have to 
question them and all of that because that's parenting. But even with, you know, my kid, it's just like, you know, the, the spazzing out part. Still have to question him. It's just got to do it in a better way. You know, like don't want to like lose, lose it and, and be yelling. But I had to work on everything from like how I, I dealt with things I didn't really like, how they looked, you know, how he parks, how, you know, this sweater is left here. Why is that cup there? Why do you guys use so many cups? Why are there utensils everywhere? To learning how to give Jermaine space. Um, the the difference, I, one of the things I struggled with was um, the difference between privacy and secrecy. It was like, I, I there was no difference. Like, Mm. giving someone privacy is mean is giving them it's it's all secrets it's all hiding things Mm. what's the point of privacy take my passwords take access to like everything because i have nothing to hide i'm like i don't have anything to hide you can see everything i'm doing i have boundaries i know how to you know check people uh and so i had to work on that too and go no I can love someone and trust them and can allow them privacy because that's important. Um, and, and really just, I had to deal with all the feelings I'm having around that. So the control thing was huge. Um, it made a difference. Just, you know, the client, the, the climate of the household. Like when I got home, it got hot. It did. And... During the pandemic. It was already hot. It was already you know, summer. No one's like, oh, super excited. It's like, no, she's going to come home. She's about to be mad about something. And <laughs> it, it made a difference from, you know, not just how Jermaine and our relationship worked, you know, between us, but just how the household felt in, in general. And it was really difficult for me to know that I was having that much of an, an impact because... I know firsthand how that felt growing up with, you know, how my my parents, you know, how moods could just turn and there goes the evening, right? Like, they he gets home, she gets home, they see something they don't like, and it's over. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because I think it's important to... Um, to emphasize that I was not prepared for that. Like all I heard growing up in the movies, the shows, the music, the interviews, the articles, the blogs, the podcasts, all the things was like, man, why are men so controlling? Like, why are men so jealous? Like, why are men like this? Why are men like that? And so my primary concern growing up, you know, in relationship to women was how do I learn to become less jealous less controlling, less overbearing, less in their business, less concerned about what they're doing and who they're hanging out with. Like, how do I learn how to dial that back? And so that was my, um, that was my biggest concern in getting this relationship was how do I address my jealousy? How do I address my controlling ways and so on and so forth? I was not thinking that the woman would be 
the controlling one. I had, was not thinking that the woman would be the uh, the jealous one or anything like that. I just thought like she wanted to be free and she was just like, well, you just let me be free. And I was just, my biggest concern was like, let me let you be free because you're going to let me be free. Like that's a given because that's not you guys' issues, right? Like your issues are other things, right? Like you're concerned about me doing dot, 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 but you still want me to be free. Like that's a given. And what I began to recognize in this relationship was that was not the case, that she given her fears, given her perspective on things, her thing was let me keep you as close as possible and spend as much time with you as possible so that you can be uh, with me so that I can be safe. And that's that's where the safety comes from. And as time progressed, you know, let me be honest, in the beginning, that wasn't a big concern. Like I said before, when you are feeling somebody or in love in that whole situation, you're not like, man, like I can't wait to get away so I can hang out with everybody else. You are feeling all this quality time. But in time, you start to recognize, especially during a pandemic, like, yo, I need some space from you. Like, I'm always at home. I'm always doing this. There's nothing else that I can do. And at this juncture, I absolutely need space and time to be by myself because I'm at home. I got to work. I'm at home. I got to watch the, our son. And then you come home and now I got to make sure everything is okay with you. And you're clearly upset. So I got to deal with that. And then I got to also still be concerned about what he's doing because he could be over there doing what God knows what, right? While we're over here arguing. Space. Space. So I needed, yeah, I super needed space and time for myself. And that was something that was hard to come by like she was slow to to give that to me i would say or just rather reluctant to give that to me and so what i had to address was the things in me that said jermaine what you want to be is the perfect person for your woman because the perfect person for my woman was the person that went nowhere, that did nothing, that wanted to do nothing else, that had nothing else, that liked nothing else, that was only interested in what she wanted me to be doing. Again, this is not what I was prepared to deal with. And so this is, again, a big part of why I wanted to do the podcast is because I was like, I'm sure that people aren't thinking about some of the things that they are going to run to or have run into in their relationships. And we have to begin to give voice to that because sometimes we just have never heard of this issue, right? So mm -hmm. my concern was... I just have to be this certain way and everything's going to work out. And what I begin to recognize is all the ways that I was trying to be the person that she needed me to be, it was in some way being pointed or, if you will, used against me in a way that was what was not working for me in return. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking, OK, I'll be understanding. And because I'm understanding, she's going to be understanding. And then I'd be understanding and then she'd be like, I don't get what you're talking about. And I'm like, are you trying to get what I'm talking about? <laughs> are you giving it a shot? Because it sounds like it's going one ear and out the other. It sounds like you're not giving it a chance. Mm -hmm. I figure, okay, I'm just going to try to be really patient with her. So she's going to be patient with me and then I'll be patient. And she's like, will you hurry up? And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, how come you're not giving what I'm giving? How come you're... Uh, not uh, accepting, appreciating, being influenced by what I'm trying to give you. And I think, again, what it just kept highlighting was, Jermaine, you are 
preparing and have been preparing for for someone uh, that is is a certain way. And you have to also work on being prepared for someone who isn't that way all the time. And I felt like mm-hmm. in the No More Mr. Nice Guy book, which I found out about on a podcast, because um, he was being interviewed on this podcast. And actually, he the, the woman who was interviewing him interviewed someone else who brought up his book so i listen to a podcast i hear listen to listen for all the books that they're dropping all the names are dropping i go research those and slowly i found that i found out about this book and in this book what it really gets at is the importance of men reconnecting to their masculine energy that has been slowly if you will deconstructed in the last number of decades right whether it's through culture um whether it's through the the breakdown of a lot of the two-parent households whether it's just the breakdown of the time that boys spend in the presence of other men whether it's Mm -hmm. teachers or coaches or parents um the reality is is that a lot of us and i could just super identify with it uh a lot of us have have grown to subconsciously and even sometimes consciously believe that men and masculinity was the problem with america was the problem with families was the problem with relationships if men would just chill out take a step back shut up for once stop mansplaining this and stop being toxic over here and stop gaslighting everybody then the world would be a better place and when i what i began to start to recognize from reading the book and other books around these issues was that i learned to demonize the masculine energy that I had. I learned to prioritize being around and understanding and listening to women. I began to learn to um, do what I thought women would want me to do because honestly, women were the moral people, right? Women were the moral gender. They were the ones that were, if you will, should be the forefront of progress and so on and so forth. So slowly but surely, I began to just want to do away with all the things that made me, you know, different Mm. from not only women, uh, but different from my partner. So I wanted to try to relate to, connect with, and be understanding. And what was funny is like when we first started dating, we would have these conversations about feminism and it would always result, result in an argument. Like it was never like, man, like that was a good old conversation about feminism. It was like no matter how much like I tried to understand, it was nonetheless a threat to have this conversation about it because of course there would be some point at which I would say, Hey, I I hear that. I understand that. I get that. But I think this, and insofar as there was a, but it was a problem. And so what I began to, uh, what I had to start dealing with after reading this book is acknowledging that Jermaine, your masculinity, your aggressiveness, your aggression, your assertiveness, your strength, your um, willingness and desire to provide leadership is not a problem. And that was literally 
trying to go 180 on all these things that I had been learning. I'm talking about since I started listening to Snoop Dogg, Doggy Style, when I was in like third grade, okay? Because all these things had started to contribute to this narrative of guys are problematic, women have the solutions. Guys are problematic, women have the solutions. And it's hard to say guys are also have solutions and guys also do great things and guys energy is also important it made me think about how my relationship was with my friends that I grew up that were guys and it made me think about my relationship that I had with my dad and how I perceived his actions and how I looked at the things that he did as a man because it really felt really difficult to embrace him a lot of the times because he was doing things that weren't always comfortable, right? Which a lot of men have to do, right? Because we have to learn how to lead folks. And, you know, especially if we're going to raise boys, we're going to raise men and that whole thing. We have to introduce discomfort, whether it's through discipline in terms of disciplinary action or introduce discomfort when it comes to like, hey, we're going to do some hard work on Saturday. I know that nobody wants to cut the yard, but we got to cut yards. Like that's part of being a homeowner. That's part of taking care of your business. Hey, we're going to go and do something difficult with our bodies. We're going to do push-ups. And that's part of being in shape. So like we as men have to be people who are willing to introduce some of the uh, pain in life in order to grow our our children in order to grow ourselves in order to grow each other and therefore i had to learn to accept that hey while this isn't something that um my wife appreciates it doesn't mean that it's bad it doesn't mean that it's wrong it doesn't mean that just because it doesn't make her happy there's a problem with that and that again is a whole paradigm shift because everything leading up to Uh, getting married and being in this relationship with her has been pointing me in the direction of you just want to make her happy, right? You just want to, what they say, happy wife, happy life, right? You just want to keep the peace so you can get a peace. It's all about pleasing her, right? Whether it's, you know, the proposal, it's the diamond rings, it's the, the chocolates, it's the hearts, it's the poems, it's the romantic dinners, it's the surprises, it's this, it's that, it's this. It's all about making this woman feel like she's on the top of the world. And therefore, it was really hard for me to even believe, fathom that I needed to have a space in my relationship to take care of myself, even if it didn't make her happy. Um, And so I'm sure that this is one of those things that she was speaking to when she said, it scares me what he was going to start doing, because it was going to actually start meaning that, hey, I heard your opinion Mm -hmm. and I want to do what I want to do anyways, because I have to do this for me. Um, And so this is again, a big chunk of what has been been happening. Like she said, I ran into folks on Facebook. I read the book. I began to link up and find groups and have these conversations, spending more time with men, spending more time, you know, holding conversations with them, 
intentionally connecting with them in person and so forth, because I recognize not only is this something that I need to deal with for myself, but the more that I create space and listen to other guys and talk with other guys, the more that I recognize that my perspective, my issue, the things that I was running to is not unique to me, that Mm -hmm. a lot of other guys were also dealing with this very issue as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think that was great to share because that was a really important um, discovery and kind of a lot of work that you did around embracing parts of yourself that you spent so long um, fighting and, yeah, kind of pushing down and just being like, it's not important. Um, and it turned out that it allowing. Um, those things out and to shine like there's appropriate places and we have to wrap up because it's going <laughs> to cut off but thanks for listening we'll talk See with you guys, you guys next, next time week. bye <laughs>